The healing of the man with the paralyzed hand solidified the Pharisees and their opposition to Jesus, even to the point of their joining with the Herodians whom they hated. Who were the Herodians? Let me show you who that outfit is. They were more politically motivated Jews who sympathized with the Herodian rulers of their general policy of government and the social customs which they introduced from Rome. The Herodians were at one with the Sadducees in holding that the duty of submission to Rome and of supporting Herod was paramount, that we have to do that. The Pharisees called themselves the revivalist party, the religious, the spiritual ones. They prided themselves in being the ones who brought revival to Israel. And truly, they did. That's where the Pharisees came from. They were a revival movement. But by the time you come to the point where Jesus entered into the picture, they had lost all the revival and they had become legalistic. Here's a word for you. Many times when God's Spirit moves and people get all excited and they begin to pursue God in holiness of living, when the Spirit of God begins to wane because they don't move on with the Spirit of God, they will then begin to set up laws and rules for everybody else to follow. And they will try to legislate. Here it is, folks. You've got to stay full of the Spirit. You've got to move with the Spirit. You can't camp at last year's manifestation. You cannot stay there. You've got to move on. God is constantly on the move. He is not one who does the same thing in you repeatedly throughout your whole life. He wants you to grow. He wants you to come up hither and show you things that are to come. Otherwise, you stagnate. And when you stagnate, you stink. And I don't want to stink. We don't want to become legalistic and begin to legislate to people. Okay, if you're going to get the Holy Ghost, you've got to look like this, talk like this, walk like this, and do this. No, that's the Holy Ghost's job, see? It's His job to come into you and fill you up and clean you up. And you know what? When I let Him do that, I lead people in that kind of a walk, and I lead people in that kind of an attitude, and I lead people in going to the throne. You cannot take people to the throne repeatedly and them not be changed. Spiritual discernment then. He looked them in the eye one after the other, at their hard, and he was angry and furious at their hard-nosed religion. Oh, I wonder if Jesus, I wonder what his reaction would be today. You think maybe he would just be a quiet little church mouse and not say anything? I don't think so. I think Jesus would stand up in the midst of some so-called religious stuff and say, listen, There's somebody here that needs healing. There's somebody here that needs deliverance. There's somebody here that needs to be saved. There's somebody here that wants to be filled. Listen, we're going to have church whether you like it or not. And he would proceed to minister. I believe that's what he'd do. I really do. He hasn't changed. He's the same. Why did his church change? Now you say, well, Jim, just a minute ago, you said that we are to move on. Now you're saying we're to stay the same. Will you make up your mind? You're confusing me. He don't change in the works that he outlined in the Bible that we are to do. That don't change. He still heals, saves, delivers, and fills. That's never going to change. That's the work that we are to do. Anger and sorrow, that's my Jesus. He was angry at their uncaring attitude. He was sorrowful at what had become 
of the Israel of God. And I believe that in his mind he must have thought of that Old Testament scripture because Jesus was well versed in the Old Testament scripture. Remember that scripture, is there a balm in Gilead? This is the cry of God through the prophet in the Old Testament. Where are my people? Where are the ones who are supposed to bring healing? Where are the ones who are supposed to bring salvation? All they bring is religion, religion, religion. I, I heard the other day someone was telling me that this one church they have it in their membership training course that you have to sign a pledge that you will pay 10% of your income to the church. And get this, and you have to present your W-2 form to prove it. How far have we fallen? Now, somebody might say, well, at least you'd be sure they're paying their tithes. Listen, if I have to twist and coerce and force you to tithe, I've missed the boat already. <laughs> I'm going to be harder on you than they would be. I'm going to be harder on you than their laws. And I'm going to say to you, you need to repent. You don't have to send them threatening letters. Oh, I see from your tithe record, you didn't pay your tithes last month. They do that. You don't have to do that. You get people full of the Holy Spirit, man, they're throwing money. Hey, I know that's a stretch for some of you to believe, but true. Is there no physician there? Why then is there no healing for the wound of my people? That's the prophetic cry of today to a lot of churches and a lot of religions and a lot of places right around here. And you know what? God raised up the pastors and the teachers and the evangelists, but he also raised up the apostles and the prophets. And God is going to restore the fivefold ministry to the church today. We shout and rejoice and we authenticate and we approve the pastors and the teachers and the evangelists, but we don't want to talk about the apostles and the prophets. You know why? Because them folks got some authority. Them folks got something from God. And when they come, they speak with authority. And they know, they read, they understand your heart. And that's why a lot of pastors don't want them in their churches. They might upset some of the rich folks.